Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 704. I'm finally kind of just getting my voice back after Comic-Con. If you went, I hope you had an amazing time. Um, Let's head over to the Nerdist Community Court Board. This is from Darian Basinger, who is uh, writing to tell us about the grand opening on July 18th in Eugene, Oregon, for Custom Cranium, which is a natural history store oh, and art gallery featuring skulls, bones, hides, fur, taxidermy, local artist work, and a small museum section for educational purposes. Uh, they focus on osteopreparation and travel for educational presentations all over Oregon and Washington. And currently the website is just a mirror of their Facebook page, but they're working on something more robust. So please go in and visit. That is Custom Cranium, and I am absolutely going to go there when I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Well, job, Darian. Also, uh, Ben Blacker, one of the writers behind uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour and also host of Nerdist Writers Panel and works on the sister podcast Nerdist Comics Panel. But uh, this week, Ben Blacker, Nerdist Writers Panel, interviewed Chris Carter. Uh, uh, so if you're an X-Files fan, you probably want to listen to that. And I was very proud of Ben because a lot of people at Comic-Con specifically pointed Ben out to me and said, you know, I also really love the Nerdist Writers Panel. So uh, good job, Ben Blacker, and uh, thank you for thank you for keeping us uh, relevant in the writing space, uh, Benjamin J. Blacker. I don't know his middle initial. When in doubt, you know, I'd always say J. That's 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 how I roll. This episode is Chad Coleman, who, of course, played Tyrese on Walking Dead. And uh, if you're not caught up, uh, too bad, you should be. And he's not on the show anymore. But uh, I miss him because Chad's a good dude and Tyrese is a fantastic character. But, but fear not, because he is also in a show called The Expanse, which is coming to sci-fi this December. And he's promoting this really super cool project called Treadwater. And Treadwater basically is um, a single story told through multiple platforms and mediums. So, it, And it all connects back to that one story. So you can engage with it in multiple platforms. There's a, It's a graphic novel series, but uh, also a motion comic, an interactive web experience, short-form video content, a video game, and even a TV show. But uh, Chad has always been nothing but lovely uh, and dear to me and was really great on the podcast. We recorded this a couple months ago, but um, plopped it down now. And uh, that's it. It's a Nerds Podcast number 704. Katie, roll the thing. Now entering Nerdist.com.
It's a it's a it's a guest book, so you got to. Oh, I get it. Oh, I see what it is now. You got to sign the guest yeah, book. The, the, what, what the Chewbacca guest book? It is the Chewbacca guest book. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Great. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's good. I, I took it to the um, to the Marvel screenings we're doing last night. And, oh wow! Uh, Stanley drew a uh, stick oh, figure Spider Man. And he wrote Excelsior. Oh, fuck, man. That's, that's it. Excelsior. I met him. He was, he was having lunch at near Rodale Drive. And so I just went out and talked to him. But, you know, and he said, well, you know, you don't look dead. <laughs> you look good. You know. Last night, the thing he was going off at in the marathon was, um, he said, uh... I don't like to think of my roles as cameos. I like to think of them as brief supporting roles. Uh, so. Only he knows the difference. Chad Coleman. Yes, Welcome brother. to the podcast. Thank you, bro. It's good to be here. Now, uh, it, uh, it was... I was very... I did not expect... Oh, this is, these are going to be spoilers. Anyway, everyone fucking knows. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't expect season I, episode one of the B season this season. I'm like, what? What, what the fuck? Because no, I don't want to know anything in advance. Okay. So I saw it alongside. I saw it alongside everyone else. Right. And uh, that that episode. I mean, it sucked that you died, but it was that was like an art film. That yeah. was an unbelievable. I mean, what a. Sometimes people just die, and it's like, oh, they're dead. Right? What a what an episode for yeah. for Tyrese. Hey, man, they, they it was an homage to the man. If you didn't know who he was before <laughs> that, by the time of the end of that episode, you certainly knew who he was. And that's Scott Gimple, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and Robert Kirkman saying, uh, we honor this character. We love this guy. We hate to see him go, but we're gonna take him out in a way that hopefully you won't forget. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and I do have to. I I do have to apologize for one other thing. I, what? Well, I okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. And, but then I have a reason. Okay. <laughs> oh. I haven't seen The Wire yet because I'm afraid of it. I know. Okay. It is. Oh, oh boy. It is without breathe a doubt. Without Chad. Yeah. Chris. Hardwick. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch Chris. it. I know, I know. Hardwick. I know, I know. One I know. of the baddest mothers on the earth. Do I get moxie I points for admitting it? You do. Here's the thing. The Wire is one of those shows, and I think this happens sometimes with Walking Dead and Breaking Bad, where when right, like when it was sort of like midway through its run, people were like, You gotta watch the wire. It's the best fucking show on television. Right. Like, yeah, 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 I know. But it's I, I feel so much pressure now that it almost seems like in the was it seven seasons or five seasons no, five, five seasons five, five seasons that's, that's two less you gotta watch now <laughs> see what the hell are we doing come on I'm gonna make you a promise Chad Coleman yes the next time I see you which is very likely be at like Comic Con okay mm-hmm. in a couple months okay I will have watched The Wire by that point oh really because without a doubt it's one of those things where even when I go. Uh, when I say, oh, Breaking Bad or Walking Dead, people go, but have you seen The Wire? Right. And so I am, I am going to watch the show. But it, it, 
it is the sort of downside to binge watching, which is I feel so much pressure because I know how involved the show is and I know it's one of the most intricate shows. Yeah, that's true. And so I sort of sometimes when I come home from work after like 12 hours, I'm like, I don't know if okay. I have the brain power. That's that's true. Now, now everybody heard the hardest working man in showbiz <laughs> say... See how much time you got now? When 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 is no? I just let me let me be clear okay. about this. Okay, uh, Comic Con will be in July. All right, so you got uh, two and a half months. Okay, yeah, you can get it done. But you are right, man. It's very dense, and it's going to take you a minute to get into it. You're not going to know what the hell they're talking about. <laughs> it, it's obtuse as well. It should be. Um, you're looking into. You're looking through a, a lens that you probably haven't looked through before so it takes a minute to get you know the jargon the feel and the feel connected and see where the story's going and it's told in slow motion so you know i mean you get a sense of that from the walking dead but this is even more dragged out so yeah. but and I, I know that doesn't sound like a great plug for the show no but, but trust I- me it is and um but, yeah, you're going to have to – it's going to be hard because if you're working all day long and you come home and you try to binge watch, I, I don't see that happening. You're going to have to make <laughs> space for this thing, man. I really I'm, – I'm serious. I don't know if it's on a weekend or what, but you're going to need that time because it's dense. Yeah, and, and does it feel any different making a show like that? than any other kind of show? I mean, do you feel it as an actor? Do you feel how dense it is as an actor, or are you just focused on just your character and what your character has to accomplish? Uh, It's tricky because it can appear as if nothing is really going on. So you've got to have your, you know, the depth chart meter really clicking on high, you know, because it's so... that it's as, As human beings, we constantly try to hide... You know, who we are in a way. You know, you don't want the things that you just don't want people to see. So it's it's mask in that kind of way. So when you read it initially, you you just think, oh, these guys are just talking about going to the store. Then you go, oh, shit. Right. But (laughs) oh, uh, that store. Oh, that's right. Oh, and that dude over there, he's damn right across the street from the store. This thing is going on. And so you have to connect the dots like that, and then you play it in a different way. And uh, this idea of, you know, always trying to hide who we are from people, do you sneak those personal things into your character? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a, I mean, from, from very early on, um, that's actually a, a part of. Um, what they call technique, you know, you use your personal life, you know, you're, that's how most of us, is acting, you know, acting is therapy for us because we're able to take those things that in real life, I'd probably be incredibly uncomfortable sharing with you mm-hmm. and just dump it all right in there. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 it holds up pretty well for a while. Now, if you got issues <laughs> in your own life, yeah, you, you can't use acting just, you know, all the way through because right. you'll be a wreck. And, and we see some who are. So, of course. You know, so I, I, I try to take care of my end. My, you know, Chad, the person, Chad, the actor. But for a while, and initially, I, I'll tell you why. Because, uh, you know, like I grew up in foster care, right? Mm-hmm. So I I remember uh, talking to my uncle who was a, he's, he's a doctor. And he's, uh, it's uh, pediatrics was his thing. 
And so I would say to him, man, man, I'm just happy. I'm just fortunate that we're not living in the projects, you know. I, my foster parents are really good people. I'm good. He's like, Chad, if I were to sit you down, you would see that there are things inside you. There's trauma and stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? I'm good. So I go further along, and I'm in acting class. And my teacher, I'm doing a scene from A Raisin in the Sun, and my teacher says, uh, son, you're doing a really good job of saying it, but it's got to come from here. And he's jammed his finger in my gut. He said, I don't go off stage. I don't care what you think about, what you do, but you got to come back and really fulfill the emotional obligations of this scene. So I go off the stage, and who do I think about? Because I wasn't living with my foster parents at that time, but I thought about them. I came back and did the scene and had an out-of-body experience. Now, I stayed within the framework of the play, but all of this emotion came out of me. So you get you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So what my uncle said then, I wasn't investigating it that way. I was just, you know, I was kind of looking at the blessings, but not knowing that there, there's an internal impact on you when you have that kind of trauma in your life. And he came back, and, and, then, and when I thought of them, it brought all this emotion out of me. And, that, and I've been wow. using, you know my life in that way for, for quite a while I was able to do that till I realized that I am an instrument, you know? So I don't necessarily need to think about any of these kinds of things because I'm gifted to be able to do this. Now you can use it or not, but I've matured enough in my skilled level that I don't have to do that. But initially and early on, and for a lot of actors, that's the kind of stuff. So they always say, like, you know, people who've had troubled lives make better actors. I don't know if that's necessarily true. <laughs> I just th- I think actors are really good at essentially, uh, and hearing you describe it, it almost sounds like you're a medium for a ghost of your former self. Like you're ch- you're channeling Sweet. you're channeling your these spirits who happen to be you and at a at an earlier time. time. That's right. That you that are, that are coming out. That's, that's a really good, strange brother. way to think. Of it. Yeah. Did you good. did you know your birth parents? Yes, you did. Yeah, that was traumatic too. <laughs> of, course, of course it was. Of course it was. But I but but you know you know what I think is really good for people to hear is that people make a lot of excuses as to why they do or don't do things. Oh, right. I don't know. I can't do this. And, and yes, there are some things in life that are you know that are really hardcore obstacles. Yeah. Then there are other obstacles that people just create with their minds. Yeah. So to hear a story of a guy who uh, grew up the way you did, managed to y- use it as an as a as a tool for as a constructive tool, <laughs> right. uh, I think that's really important for people to hear because I think it helps people who are going through something similar, and then it shows people who don't really have problems <laughs> but create problems you know like oh yeah, yeah. i guess uh, i guess slow internet's not the biggest problem in the world right now or i guess you know yes brother it's perspective you know it's it's perspective for for many folks and uh, you know i'd have to do that with my kids you know it's like listen <laughs> the fact that you're doing a play and you have a lot of homework and you can't do the homework cuz you're doing a play it's really not that heavy, baby. <laughs> okay, boo. Okay, I know you, you think work, this is the worst thing in the you know, world. You go work through that. It's not so, but yeah, I mean, if it can inspire, I was very fortunate. I will say that. You know, I I did have a, um, I I was exposed to something early on that could be that kind of um, conduit for for all that stuff for me. So that was fortunate. 
uh, I was fortunate in that way. How did that affect? How many kids do you have? Two. And how, how did that affect how you uh, interact and raise your own kids? How did that experience? Happen? Well, okay. So uh, when you ask about like my real parents, um, um, so my father was a wonderful example of what not to do. Sure. So. My uncle was a great example of what to do. You know, he embraced me and tried to, you know, help me and mature as a young man. And um, so, and all of the rest of the variables and people involved, um, I, I just kind of took a look and, and kind of uh, sized things up and recognized that I didn't like when people were mean to me. So I'm not mean to my kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoyed love, man. You know, I hate to be warm and fuzzy, but you know, it's 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 warm, it's loving, it's nurturing, but it is discipline and focus. Sure. And so, yeah, I'm I'm a very I'm very fair with them. We listen. We have dialogue. I told my daughter, and now now she's 15 years old. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Said, hey, I raised her. To, we can have a conversation. Sure. And now it's biting me in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I just want to say, shut the fuck up. No, I don't know. No, I don't know, baby. I don't say that. I don't say that. Go right ahead, baby. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell me. Don't what tell me. Is, you want to tell me how stupid I am? Go ahead, baby. Tell me. It's okay. I'm listening. Daddy's listening. It's all right. I'm driving now. Please come. But uh, so it's, it's a real... Um, Man, it's pretty amazing uh, because it's an incredibly challenging way of doing things. I came up in an era where you are seen and not heard. You sit down, you shut up. Right. You eat, do your homework, go to bed. I don't, you know, and it was kind of like suppress you, which is why I'm glad I was, you know, was able to get into acting. So that's why the play, going, going to school <laughs> and play rehearsal was the thing because, yeah. All that suppression, you know, was removed. So I'm always open to hear her and experience her. But, you know, it's just you have to harness it because at this point, you know, she's in kind of system overload emotionally. Yeah. And um, how much more intelligent she is than most of the thinking world. So, well, also the, you know, I feel like all the social media stuff really feeds into the worst part of. Growing up, because kids have enough, you know, as they're being flooded with hormones and emotions and things that they don't understand yet, mm-hmm. and, and and the social pressures that they have of just going to a school and it's peer pressure, yeah. But now there's this global pressure for them and standards that they feel like they have to achieve. Absolutely, and, and uh, I mean, like like standards that they shouldn't have to worry about That's physical right. standards and popularity standards yeah. and all that shit. Everything and, everything was that was there but personified a thousand times over. Right. That's it was all there. I mean we we felt those things growing up, you know, mm-hmm. the the pecking order, who's cool is how am I being accepted? Am I getting the girls? You know, the girls will do the guys like me. How am I? How do I look? I don't know. We went through all of that, but we just didn't go through it under this huge um, kind of microscope, if you yeah. will. And uh, so that that and, and and it's so much bad information. You know sure. what I mean? I think we were able to circumvent some of that yeah. just by the sheer fact that we didn't hear it. You know. Right. And so now, when you look at us and we think about not having cell phones. You know, now we have cell phones. And back then, what did we do? But we still 
had those same things going on. They just didn't go on to the magnitude that right. they do today. And so with all of that, it can be that much more overwhelming, all of it. You know, the peer pressure, the, you know, who am I? How do I fit in? You know, all that kind of stuff. And so she has to negotiate that. But some of the positive sides of it is, it's obviously when you get good information, you know, they're able to learn things at a rate that we aren't able to, you know, we weren't able to, right. you know, I mean, you just simply Google the thing, you know, <laughs> Google the answer. <laughs> Why don't they all get straight A's? <laughs> what's the best, what's the best way you feel like you, uh, can be a supportive parental influence on someone who's having to deal with all of everything that's going on right now. How do you, how do you be there? I always, I always tell her and tell anybody, I, I said, baby, you're 15 years old. It's the age of self-determination. You have to decide the person you want to be. You wake up every day and you decide who you want to be. I want to be a kind, loving, open, friendly, fearless person today. Then go be it. Yeah, That's I, I think I think people can. I think people still do that at twenty five or thirty five. Oh no, I, I, it's not exclusive to the teenagers. But, but it is. I do it myself. <laughs> you kind of have to. You yeah. sort you sort of do have to regulate that way. I was just talking to some. Uh, it was deep. I mean, I was talking to some inmates, and I told these guys. I mean, this is what I've learned. So that's that's why I carry it out that way because you you just can't live random, you know. Yeah. There's far too much going on and far, far too much coming at you to try to misguide, misdirect, distract you. So you have to be clearly focused on who you are and what you're about. And so I told them and I said, listen, and this kind of encapsulates everything we're saying. Like, we all were victims on some level. Because we came to the world and we were babies. So who's your parents? Right. <laughs> hey, parents, <laughs> where are you? So if, if you are not fortunate enough to have some grounded, well-rounded, healthy parents, you're going to be up against a few things. Yeah. So now if you can make your way through that and get to the other side of that, then you can realize that, okay, now I get to decide. When you reach that point, and if if you don't know, that's cool too. But decide to get some good information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now if you do that, then you start learning. Then you can start putting pieces together, and 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 you can kind of you know shape yourself yeah. to that degree. And that's a good thing. But a lot of people don't know that, and a lot of people get stuck in victimization. And it's like, mm, I hear you. That did happen. Now, it probably it could have happened a lot of times, but at some point it stopped happening. And so when did you decide to continue to allow it to happen in your head mm-hmm. over and over and over and over? That's what we do to ourselves that I think that's what self-determination. Hey, you can stop the tape in your head and you can create a new road for yourself. You can do it. I'm not talking about how hard or easy it is. I tell my daughter all the time. It's not, I don't. I don't want to hear hard or easy. I just want to hear, I'm doing it, mm-hmm. and do you know? Do a sound thing. <laughs> I didn't say do <laughs> some stupid. <laughs> you know, don't make dumb decisions. <laughs> you know, but that's the key word. Is decision is yeah. every every good or bad thing starts with a decision. Yeah, and. But then also I feel like a lot of bad things come from indecision. Like, oh, I don't know, or should I? It was like, just 
decide, like make a decision. Yeah, but I would err on the side of good <laughs> weighing it out. You oh, know, if it takes time, okay. of course. You know, people. You know, that's that's one of the qualities that people kind of um, kind of rage about with our fearless leader. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, come on, man, make a decision, <laughs> dude. This, it's okay with me. I'd rather that. You not I rather I rather that you not make a bad decision, you know. Right. Then then d- 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 let me see if I'm getting this right. I'd rather you not decide and mull it over and over and over than make a bad decision. Sure. So I just hope that people don't get trapped by I think there is a certain point where it's like, all right. What a, no, it's true. Shit again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That is true. That is true. That, that, I, that I agree with you. Yeah. All right, I'm going to <laughs> shit. Well, that was literally my decision. I didn't know if I was gonna stay on the pod or shit. Uh, but I just decided in the case of favor of shitting. Feel better? <laughs> I do. Oh, oh I Damn, I, why did I wait so long to shit? God, this feels so good. All I had to do was <laughs> it's true especially in our industry like there are those you know i tell the kids all the time you know don't talk about it be about it oh that's such a good quote yeah you know, got, are you acting <laughs> are you in the school play are you reading a play you know what are you do- actually doing right don't tell me what you want to do demonstrate it and in, in the way you live that's that's where i'm at now, what do you uh, do? You, do you go? Uh, this is when you're talking to the inmates. Is this something that you get to do regularly, or every year I do that um, in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia? Well, we do something called a date with dad dance, and that's to encourage a positive, good relationship between a daughter and a father, which we know is huge. You know, we have play a huge part in you know uh, their self esteem and and so, and, and we're we're that first uh, opposite sex relationship you know so it's a, it's a crucial relationship so every year we celebrate with a dance when this is through an organization called Camp Diva and uh, this girl young lady Angela Patton is doing she does she has a TED talk and everything so you can check her out campdiva.org and uh Angela Patton she runs this pro, this program where she's really doing some wonderful things for young African American girls in my hometown so one year uh one girl said well I can't go to the dance because and they were like why and she's like my dad's in prison and all those other little girls through all of that positive nurturing they said well, why don't we just do the date with dad dance in the prison? <laughs> well, why don't we do that? Oh, wow. Yeah. So we ended up taking it into the prison. Uh, Chief Woody, I mean, that's an amazing thing. He would say, come on in. So you know, you, you know how deep this really is. It's huge. So to see these little girls dress up and their fathers, even though their inmates are allowed to put on their suits and they come together, man, it's just an incredible thing with all sorts of games and stuff to, you know, just, just nurture that relationship. Because no matter what, he's still her parent. You yeah, know? of course. And so let's, let's try to, once again, let's take lemons and make lemonade, you know. Until the governor shows up to the prison. And say, <laughs> I'm sorry, exactly. I had to bring it back to right. that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's game on. And then it's game on. So, yeah. And so um, so I would speak, initially I'd speak to the, the, the guys who were part of the Date With Dance, Date With Dad Dance, and because uh, they're in a program, because they're on their way out. Uh-huh. 
And so we would have, I mean, just beautiful, deep conversation. And then they were like, well, will you go to uh, A Bay and B Bay and C Bay? Like, yeah, okay. All right, cool, cool. I'm ready. I got it. I got it. I'm good. Yeah, go ahead. I wasn't prepared to do this. You know, the first time. Of course. They say they were like, Yippee, I get in there. <laughs> Swam. Like, okay. You're gonna open that again, I right? I get to get back out. <laughs> exactly. So that's how that's how that went down. And what was uh, uh what did you learn from that experience? What did you take away from the the guys that you were talking to? Wow, man. I, I tell you I have to say I was a, it was a selfish experience. Because hearing myself out loud, being as honest as I could. Help me understand more about myself. Yeah. <laughs> and say, like, okay, oh, I am that way. Okay, <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> okay. You know, I'd be honest. I hate to say it. It was, it was, it was, and their response, it was like, well, you know what? It just let me know that, man, you know what? You got a powerful, you got a powerful voice and all the gifts that you've been blessed with, you can use it and you can try to help somebody sincerely. You do have a powerful voice. I, I do. It's a good radio voice. <laughs> did you ever do radio? I would love to. Uh, I grew up. Um, I haven't. I, I did it in the military. Yeah, I was in the in the army. I did. I did some radio. But I grew up fascinated with radio as well. It was. It was Kirby Carmichael, the Rock and Jock. <laughs> I'm not joking. And I just met him for the first time. Uh, Last year, um, I was fortunate enough to uh, be asked to be the Grand Marshal of the Christmas Day Parade. Oh, that's nice. And he was there. And you know, I went back to 11-year-old Chad. <laughs> I was just a giggly little schoolboy. <laughs> I can't believe I'm meeting you, you know. Honest honest truth, yeah. So radio was always, because that's, that's like one of the um, kind of, First ways that piques your imagination, you know? Sure. Because you're listening to someone. You don't see them, you know, and you're hearing the commercials and everything. So that kind of stimulated my imagination early on. So it was more, I, I, we probably didn't have a TV at that time, you know? So radio became that thing. And so it really is the first, not only does it pique your imagination, but it's also the first time when you learn the difference between your imagination and reality. Because every time you meet a radio guy for the first time, you're like, you look like that. Like, <laughs> that voice comes out of that fucking body. Exactly. Like, it's the weirdest exactly. thing. Yeah. It's true. the strangest thing That's when you true. see those guys. That's true. Like a guy. See, like, I feel like your voice matches your physical structure. Like, you look yeah, like a strong like dude. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. But there true. are dudes with your voice. Right. They're just, just like, you're a tiny Asian guy? Like, it's just the, it's like the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of... Oh God! Who's the guy with uh, Ryan Seacrest? Um, he's all over the country. My my daughter loves him. Uh, I don't know. God, you do know him. He's he's first. He's like the first uh, openly gay guy on air, and it's a syndicated rock station. I don't know who that's is all that? over the country. Who is? Yeah, that? I don't know. I'm trying to Look think. That up, Katie. Yeah, he. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's he's a iHeartRadio, but but he's also it's a syndicated rate, and and it's Z100 in New York. But they're they're syndicated, and so I had that experience back meeting him for the first time at at uh, iHeartRadio uh, Music Festival in yeah. in, uh, in, um, um, in Vegas. So when I saw him, he doesn't look, you know the way he sounds, he doesn't look like the way he sounds at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, God, what is his name? Elvis. 
Elvis. Elvis. His name is Elvis. It's, yeah. Is it another Elvis? Yeah, because it's Elvis in the morning, I believe. I'm Elvis Presley too. Yeah, right. But I mean, it's really cool that he's like. <laughs> um, no, you you got to go syndicated radio uh, talk show radio uh, DJ, okay. syndicated rock radio DJ. And then iHeartRadio, you said he's on iHeartRadio? Yeah, yeah. Or Z100? It's Look at Z100. Elvis, I think it's Elvis Durant. Elvis Durant. Hey, there you go. <sighs> nice. These things. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm telling you. See? Yeah, yeah. If you could play his and hear his voice, it, that... that <laughs> it doesn't match. doesn't match. Mm-mm. What kind of music would you, if you were a DJ, what, what would your station be? Oh, my. It would be a mix of things for me. That's how it we was, listen to music have, now. Yeah. Remember growing I, up, I, it was you like, you were in a lane. Yeah, my, my, my sister was the first one that like, kind of introduced me to rock. So listen to this, you know? Yeah. But we, we would say, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> she would say, listen to the white station. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they the were. True, right. That's what they were. So like, that's how people, you know, kind of oriented to of course. certain things. Yeah. And I was like, and I, you know, I started listening to rock, man. It's amazing, you know? So um it would be a mix of things. It would it would be it would be rock, rap, pop. Uh I I, I mean, I don't know if I would I would want to do it, but I don't know if I would want to put jazz, you know. But I listen to it all, man. That's as uh, there's not much I don't listen to. Honestly, I'm I'm not a huge fan of country, right? But for the most part, everything else—show tunes, uh, uh, the bebop era, the you know uh, Sinatra, you know, you name it—I um, uh, I listen to it. <laughs> now, when you you left college to go be in the army, is that correct? I did. And what was the what made you decide that that was something that you wanted to do? Well, initially what happened was uh, I was a ward of the court of the state of Virginia. I didn't have legal parents. Even though I was living with my grandmother, God rest her soul, she passed away at 97 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, so I was living with her, but she didn't adopt me. So I didn't have legal parents. So anybody in that position got a free ride to college, which I was like applauding the state of Virginia, you know, for that. Yeah. Wow, you guys really... So they were saying... You know what? If that kid made it through all of that, we should reward him with, a, a, you know, a free education. That's great. That's awesome. Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald Reagan said, "What the hell did you say?" <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh I need that money. I need that money for defense. And he took the program away. Oh shit! So I ended up having to go to school. I came up to New York. Went to New York. Auditioned, you know, got in, got accepted at NYU to school of the arts, and he just snatched that away because I couldn't afford it. You know, if if I if I wasn't going to get a scholarship, I couldn't afford it. So I went to my hometown school, uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, great theater program. But of course, I wanted to be in New York, so I said, "All right, this is what I'll do: I'll go in the military, I'll get a vocation, I'll take that training, go to New York, I'll work that job while I pursue my career." Oh wow! Yeah, that's very resourceful. Yeah, you know what? And I, I it, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I knew a lot of people who <laughs> were very, very uh, resentful of the fact that I was actually a video cameraman and a radio guy and photographer in the army. Uh-huh. 
And I'm like, what the hell? Why didn't I get that job? I said, well, I don't know. I just walked in and said, hey, man, you got anything in communications? He popped the videotape in. It was an 84 Foxtrot, an audiovisual specialist. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and he said, well, you can't go right now. I was like, no, nah, it's okay. I'm going to finish up my freshman year. I'll be back in May. He's like, yeah, well, that's when we would ship you out. So <laughs> it worked out. And I traveled all over the world. I shot the first music video for the Army. I shot public service announcements with, like, the Boston Celtics, the Giants, Jets. I had a cool-ass job, man. Oh, man. Yeah. What, so what was, the, what was the first music video for the Army? See, well, usually they have those old stoic soldiers. Yeah. You know, we, had, we went to Nashville, and we got a country music singer to record this song, Good Morning, Soldier. Good morning, ma'am. Hello, new recruit and officer in command. I'm proud to know you. Just thought I'd show you that I'm glad to see the armies in your hands. See, now now I think that, you need to be a country music star. <laughs> Charlie Pride got it. I Charlie, Charlie Pride. Um, so we went there. We recorded him. And then we went out and we shot, you know, the video to match it. And it was just hip and cool and up to date. I have uh, soldiers today that go, oh, man, yeah, yeah, you know, because they get way more hyped, you know. It's like being on, have you been on Virgin? Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and they do the whole, yeah. <laughs> like, that's in your seat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like having that experience as as opposed to what we normally get. I feel like uh, someone else mentioned that not that long ago, and we talked about it, and I, I said, you know, the first time I heard that, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> The 20th time I heard Absolutely. that on Virgin, I was like... I said, give me a fucking uh. break. <laughs> <laughs> like, it what was. I want to say to Virgin America is like, put it in rotation. <laughs> exactly. Like, you put it in... Have yeah. it in rotation. Yeah. But those those flight attendants who hear that every time... Lord have mercy. I think man. one of them is just going to calmly go over and just rip the speaker <laughs> out uh, with her with her bare... His, his or her bare hand. But uh, uh, What's it, funny is that I think like the performers in the video are like, God, I hope... I hope there's a director on the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, this is Steven Spielberg. I couldn't help but notice your fantastic seatbelt song performance, and I would like to put you in a Jurassic Park movie. (laughs) Here come the dinosaurs. (laughs) They're out of control. Okay, uh, did you keep going? (laughs) Did you find the? uh, Did you find the? I want you to find the the army song. What's it called? Wow, that's gonna. I don't know. if it's a music video from the 80s, it's on YouTube somewhere. <laughs> wow, that's from... interesting. Well, um, I sang, that's about all I know of it. Um, I think it's Glad to See the Armies in Your Hands. I think it's that. Uh... Glad to See the Armies in Your Hands. Yeah. That came up. 80, oh. Is that it? I see music video. Is. I hope this is it. I do too. I'm glad to see the armies in your hands. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Oh my god. Yeah, this is it. Are you in this? Uh no, yes I am. I'm sure I'm I'm the guy at the guy at the uh bus station. If this is it, I I don't know. This is yeah, I'm trying to remember this. This is it? Yeah. This is it. Oh my god. You I, that's what I was singing, right? Cause I sang it <laughs> in the studio too. Now, you're going to see me at the bus station waiting for the bus. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I am losing my mind right now. Oh, I am. And I'm going to show you the video I shot. 
There you are! Hey! There you are! Oh, no. I told you, brother. That was I at about you, yeah. if you if you watch the video, it's at about two fifty eight or so. That was fantastic. So, Katie, I think yeah. the thing to do is, uh, yeah, just trim down some of us watching the video until, of course, we get to Chad's part. <laughs> Uh, and then just we'll j- rip the song and we'll just put it at the end of the podcast after what? we sign off. We'll just play. We'll just play the song. Sweet. That's so fantastic. Yeah, brother, it was crazy. Yeah. That was, I mean, you you probably haven't seen that in. And my God, man, oof. since nineteen, uh, probably about eighty eight. I told you, YouTube is a repository for everything you <sighs> thought you dude. forgot about. Yeah. Never even, ooh. <laughs> nah, man, I'm serious. I got chills, bro. That's crazy. Yeah. That's it. See, and, and at least I can say, he's not lying. <laughs> he didn't make that shit up. So then when you uh when you, you were in the army for a handful of years and then you then you did you go back to school after that to performing arts school? No. I went in eighty five to eighty nine when I got out, I I went for it. And then did you Picture go to resume, you to New York? New York. Picture resume and uh, my actually my acting teacher from high school was actually in New York pursuing his career by that oh. time, so he was able to point me in the right direction. You know, get your pictures done, your resume. This is how it should look, and so I did that, and I started going around throwing pictures under doors. And there's a publication called The Backstage for non-union actors, and so I did that. And the first thing I got was a standing on the Cosby Show. Oh wow! Yep. So I went in and. There were lines around the block of people wanting to audition for this thing. I didn't even know what a stand-in was, but, you know, I just heard Cosby Show, and maybe there's a shot, you know. And so I just, I went in, and I booked it, and um, so I started doing that. And it was, you know, a great learning experience, and just to have opportunity to be up close and personal. I know all the controversy now, but back then, you know. You didn't know back then. Right. So it was just an amazing opportunity to be up and close and personal with with a dude that with that kind of talent. And, um, you know, kind of befriended Malcolm Jamal at one point. And, you know, it was a a wild experience. But also, it was one of those things that, you know, I really did it to try to get on the show. And that wasn't going to happen. You know, you put the tape across you with the name of the character on it. Right. <laughs> and that's what you do. Right. And I remember having a conversation with Malcolm. And he said, I said, wait, I'm an actor, man. <laughs> Why do you think I'm here? I'm an actor. He's like, oh, okay, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, uh, and uh, so it, it, as, as, as we, the shows went on, I, I was like, I'm not going to get a chance to be on the show. I know I can do what they're doing. And so I got frustrated, and they basically, they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> like, because I started doing stuff like, um, dang, it's stupid. Why would I move in front of that person like that? Right. And then they would come over the mic, aren't you supposed to be on the other side? <laughs> and then they would call us all together, stand-ins, stand-ins, get over here. The people upstairs are very upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but I just, I just want you to know that the people upstairs are not happy. And everybody's going like, is it me? Is it me? I'm like, you know it's me. <laughs> I don't know why you guys are being paranoid and panicking for it. You know she's talking to me. You know, but that was, it was kind of, it got a little, 
humiliating at times. Like we we're standing right beside the assistant stage manager, but she's going stand-ins. Where are the stand-ins? Oh, just yeah. to make us, you know, just to treat you like act, like there like, you go, like props, yeah, basically. Yeah, and she was always like, he's like, I would go over and I'm talking to Malcolm and some of the other guys, and she would be like, I, I don't understand why you're over here. Ugh. Like I'm over here because I'm a human being, and, and so is he. He he just happens to do this thing. Yeah. That, that I do too, that you just, you know I do it because I, that was the other part of it. You got to play the part, even though nobody ever saw you playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Theo, baby. <laughs> I was Theo. That's what you people fail to understand that I was Theo. <laughs> you just didn't see <laughs> It's on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I was the, you just need to go. You need to go to a bar while they were showing that show, exactly. and then just like mouth the, the words right. in front of people. Hey, go, man. hey, I was close to doing that, bro. <laughs> I would leave, man. I would leave, you know, because they taped on uh, what did they tape on Thursday nights? I believe. And man, once we were done, we were done. It's like you know, we we weren't. I don't recall us being. No, I didn't want to stay. I would get on the train and cry. I, I literally did, man. Because it was, was Because I was like, I know I can do this. And, you know, I'm not getting the opportunity that he's getting. And I know I can do it. So cut to Malcolm Jabal Warner has a show called um, Here, uh, Here and Now. Uh-huh. It only lasted five episodes. I got cast as <gasps> one of his friends on the show. Oh, that's great. Did he remember you? Of course. I said I told you. <laughs> so, and I, not, not, you know, that doesn't happen to people often. And I'm not going to get into it, but it, it was probably one of the worst experiences of my life. It, it sounds like it was a humiliating experience, but at the same time, I think a valuable experience. Because no, it th- taught you, I think it probably taught you in success how to how to be, you know, like it it. it, it it taught you that everyone is a human being yeah. and that you would never be in a position where you'd be like, get that standing yeah, exactly. away from exactly. me. Right. Put That's... the tape back on his chest. <laughs> I'm Chad fucking Coleman. I am Theo. <laughs> There's a possibility <laughs> that I could become a tyrannical asshole. I got to make more money first. <laughs> There's There's definitely an asshole. Yeah, well, you know, right. You can yeah. be. <laughs> where people are like, yeah. It sucks, but I mean, oh my god! I saw uh, I saw Pacino at at the Four Seasons yesterday. I just couldn't stop looking at the guy, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so he could be an asshole if he wants to be. It's okay. He'd be fine. Did you Did you talk to him? No, I was not going. I was not going to go over there. Because it was, you know, we all know. Don't bother. It was real sad to see what they did to Tyrese. Those motherfuckers! <laughs> oh, Al Pacino, nice to meet you. I saw, <laughs> I saw him in a. Uh, there was, a, I guess, maybe 10 years ago, the uh, AFI did a tribute to Al Pacino and uh, Jeremy Piven hosted, and, and oh, wow, I, I got hired to come in, and uh, my friend Blaine and I got hired oh, to come in and write. The comi- what? The stand up comedian? Yeah. But, yeah, okay. yeah, I just saw him in Madison Square Garden. Oh, nice. Oh, no, different plane, different plane. 
Um, but uh, Bl- the other Blaine Capatch writes on our show now. He oh, was definitely okay. not performing at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Uh, no, it was Blaine Cook. I'm thinking it was Blaine Cook. Oh, Dane Cook. Dane Cook. Yeah, Dane yeah, yeah. No, Blaine, totally, Dane. totally different. Uh, Insane in the membrane. <laughs> Insane in the brain. Insane in the mem, Dane. But I think, uh, or mem Blaine, uh, but my friend Blaine Capad should be at Madison Square Garden, but we are lucky enough to have him on, on at midnight. But we wrote, we would write jokes for Piven during the show. Like things would happen and we would give him jokes off the side of the stage. And so they were doing this tribute to Al Pacino and Charlize Theron and all these really famous people were there. And backstage, it was really funny to see the dynamic of Al Pacino, who you think could come off stage and just be like, another award I deserve. <laughs> but his whole thing was like, I don't understand. I mean, I just, you know, I just do a job and people, and I mean, wow. it's nice, but I don't get, like, wow. he didn't, and he wasn't being forced. He wasn't right. forcing humility. He was just. He really he was like, I don't get it. Right. It's nice that they do this, but I just do a job. Yeah. You know? I'm glad to hear that. So that means I probably could have said hi. You could have said hi. <laughs> yeah. Or if he's still the same. If he's still the now same. He might be. I've changed. <laughs> get out of my fucking face. <laughs> Put tape on these people. You're all stand-ins to me. <laughs> Now that, my friend, is hilarious. <laughs> you don't make a good story. Yeah, I, I was so, I, I was like, wow. I was like, why am I fixated right now? I was like, well, you know what? Because he's a fucking legend. That's of why. Course. Because the man has done amazing work for so long, you know. And so that's what. Because in a way, I, you know, I wish I was like cool, like you know. Oh, say the Al Pacino. Anybody worrying about Al Pacino? Man. <laughs> What's going on, baby? Tell me about your day. Yeah. You know, yeah, if you did that, that, he might like someone. He might connect with you. <laughs> you know, it's tough to say. You don't know, but it, it's it's because he's so influential to you, dude. That it's just you know. Yeah. If you go up to that man and he burst that mystique bubble. It, it it's an ugly feeling. Of course. So I just, you know, I, I say, you know what? I would rather just revere you from afar. <laughs> I want to get over there and see what you're eating. <laughs> but, you know, I'm just, I, I wanted to go over there. Now, I used to be the go over there guy. Yeah. You know, and I've, I've had a few like, wow, okay, that really happened. Like they, bad, bad experiences? Really, very rude. Okay. Oh. Do you want but to say of, or do you not want to explain? Well, one, the one that was hurt me, it was Patrick Ewing, you know? And, you know, he's huge. Of course. And uh, it could have been a nice kind of Mean Joe Green moment if people know. <laughs> he throws you, know? you the jersey. Yeah, it's all good. You share a Coke? This guy, I said, Patrick Ewing, and I put my hand out. <laughs> you got to see, what is he, six, eight? And he's just looking at, the, at me like, who the fuck are you? Oh. And why are you in my face? And I was like, wow. Man. I mean, I think my head just stayed out, right? And I just turned and walked away. I was like, and I, I looked back, but then I looked back and he was talking to this girl. Oh. So I was like, oh, maybe I tried to. Yeah. You know. and, and and this one, I'm going to call him out. I'm going to call him out because I, I this one really floored me. And this is not too far in the distant past, but... Michael Strahan. Oh, really? I said, Michael Strahan. And he said, <laughs> he went back like, who the fuck are you? Oh. I was like, wow. Okay, maybe I shouldn't have assumed you watched The Wire. Oh, or The Walking Dead. Well, no, I wasn't on there. Oh, you it weren't was before on that. Okay. 
Uh, but I, I was like, wow. But it shouldn't matter whether or not you're on the wire. Like, no, it, it but should, you know you how just... they do, bro. A lot of them do. It's like if they don't know who you are, yeah. you're not validated. And I, I'm doing my fingers. The air quotes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Tell> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why am I doing that? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a strange deal. I, I, I really, I can get if you're possibly having a bad day. Mm-hmm. And you just simply say that, you know. Or you're cock-blocking Patrick Ewing. That, and then that's when I had to take, my bad, take the hit, Chad. You try, I was actually trying to get to the girl myself, to be truthfully told. But I always find that stuff really fascinating, too, though, man. You know, how we negotiate a public that is really responsible in a lot of ways for our thing. Sure. I mean, we don't do it in a vacuum. We don't do it in a club. Well, I do, but I don't. <laughs> I'll talk about that later. No, it, we don't. It's for, you know, and, and these guys, maybe you would be playing football anyway, but it's a whole different animal because it is an entertainment aspect to it. Yeah. So the relationship with the audience should be one of, for me, it should be one of gratitude. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming to the game. Thanks for watching the show. Right. But a lot of a lot of people who do this thing don't make that connection. The the audience becomes an annoyance and uh that's hard for me, you know. And I think applicable to especially, I mean the wire had a huge audience, but you know, of course Walking Dead yeah. has a has a very passionate audience. Absolutely. And so it is uh you know, and and you know that there's a direct correlation between the audience supporting, the, like the fans supporting the show and the success of the show. Oh, so absolutely. You, you, you right. can feel it. Yeah. 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 There's no question about that. And that's one of the amazing parts about having this experience where honestly, The Wire has, uh, has been a beautiful slow burn, you know, yeah. it's just built up. But, uh, and, and, and it, you know, it has a sustainability that's okay, that's amazing. But, He's walking dead fast, man. They're just, you know, just passionate, effusive, <laughs> rabid, ah, you know. And so, you know, that's that's that, that's been uh, a crazy thrill ride, you know, and how to negotiate it. Because I, I don't, you know, I, I try to just be my authentic self, you know. So, you know, I engage people on a level. Sometimes I don't understand why someone would break down crying in front of me. But that's just the past, you know. So I just deal with it like, you know, try to just which is with with as much gratitude as possible. Yeah. But but I try to say, hey, listen, honestly, look, I'm just a person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know it's a great show. I, I get it, but I just want you to know. That I'm just a regular person. I'm just fortunate to have this talent. Okay, I just want you to carry. Well, I don't know why I do that, but I, I do want them to carry that with them. You know, yeah. Just carry with you that, and um, I'm, I'm glad you're having this experience. But at the same time, you know, uh, I'm just Mr. Reality. Cut to you meeting Al Pacino. Nice to meet you. Oh, I don't know what to say. I just, I'm just moving. <laughs> Oh, that's my favorite I'm part. sorry. <laughs> Would you just say that for oh, me? No, I don't mean to get tears on your <laughs> suit. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> and then he say, see? See? What, what were you saying? Nothing. 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 Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, so uh, now you're on the sci-fi show, The Expanse, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so 
but and you jumped you jumped to that pretty quickly, right? Those guys uh, came out of the box as soon as I was free. You know, once the word got around, yeah, uh, those guys came right away and they came with an offer, and so that that was I was you know incredibly appreciative of the fact that they said, "Man, we know how good you are, and we just want you to come play with us." Will you? Yeah, let's do that. You know, so. You know, it's based on um, these best-selling novels, Leviathan Wakes. Each one of them was a New York Times best-selling novel. I think it was five of them. So you got that. And so that's a fan base right there already. Then you got this amazing cast, you know, Thomas Jane. and Yeah. I know Tom. He's a nice guy. Oh, he's real cool. Never man. wears shoes. That's though. right. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yo, it's, hey, it's, shoes. I don't know how he pulls it off, man. I mean, shoot, I'm part African, man, but I'm putting some shoes on, dude. <laughs> in these streets. Especially in Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm saying, Our streets are this dirty. Dude, this dude is like, yeah. But, but oh, just masterfully cool, you know, just, you, you know, uh, uh, just a, a rare breed, man, you know. Just a real, real cool dude, man. He just something about him reminds me of, and I, I don't know if I should make that cross reference, but um, what was the actor that? Uh, oh, what was it? The karate movie back in Kung Fu, he played David Carradine. Yeah, he has a David Carradine feel to him, you know. Yeah, cool, but quiet probably, confidence. Yeah, but it's just uh, real earthy cat, you know. Mm-hmm. Just a real earthy, authentic dude. I, I, I really, I really dug. I didn't have that much with him because the, the, the construct is just like The Wire and just like The Walking Dead. You got all these amazing characters, you know. Yeah. So everybody's carrying their own storyline, and you know, and we, we, we interchange with each other at certain points, but it's not always. So the times I spent around him, though, I was, I was fascinated, man. Really, really, really. Uh, it's like, wow, can I, I'm going to take my shoes off. <laughs> and then I thought about how my feet look, and I said, uh, nah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Not, I don't want to abuse you people with it. Ask my daughter. Um, is there any, is there any uh, part, because obviously I would imagine because you're built the way you're built, you probably, it's probably really a no-brainer for people. Like, oh, you know, Chad's like, he can be like the intimidating guy in here. He can be the really strong guy. Do, do you ever kind of feel trapped by that because you want to do different kinds of things and it's a little more like no just see me as this type of character or i'd love to play this type of character or, well, or are you like hey works work no 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 I, it, it happens if you watch it you, you'll see what it is because very few big guys can access vulnerability the way i can mm-hmm. and so that's what makes it very intriguing you know because so even though i stay in this one physical place you know Psychologically and emotionally, I can do a lot of different things. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much what it is. And that goes back to I was not the size. I, I got the size when I went in the Army. Um, I was, I left, I looked like an eighth grader as a senior in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like five. Uh, let me see. Uh, well, what my, uh, my um, U.S. Army ID card said was 5'10, 149. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. I was not. That's me. Like yeah, that's. I that's was gonna I, say it, but I was, like, I was like, no, I might be a little bit off. So, yeah, that's and so I was not a big guy. I was uh, bullied a lot, and you know uh, the whole. But I was also uh, really popular. You got to go back to those reunions and kick the shit out of everyone. Well, you there. know what? They, they're all dead. <laughs> I saw to it. <laughs> I was taking care of things. 
I ain't going to the army for no reason. Nature, no. nature bullied them for me. Yo, no, the crazy part about it, I, I'll give you one story. Like, the biggest bully, you know. I mean, this guy was, Butchie was insane, man. I, I watched Butchie just beat a guy, you know, to a pulp. Blood, I'm watching blood that come out of his scalp. Jesus. Yeah, so he was, you see that, and then you go, well, you know what? Um, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. So he, it was very, he was an intimidating guy. And he, you know, put his money where his mouth was and he beat the shit out of people. And you saw that and you said, well, you know what? I really just don't want to engage in that. Yeah. You know, what do you want? You, you want my lunch money? Here. You can have it. <laughs> so it was, you know, we were dealing with that. And then his counterpart was Tommy, six foot four, two, thirty. And those two just basically menaced us all. You know, they would do stuff like, I'm on the bus, and uh, I'm Butchie and Tommy are sitting in the same, you know, in, over here, and I'm across the aisle. And it's just time to give you, this is the honest truth. So Butchie looks across at me, and he goes, hey, yo, Tommy, smash that in head in the glass. So I said, oh, wow, okay, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> It's you not, man. It, this is how crazy it was. And I said, all right, Chad. Okay, prepare for impact. <laughs> don't don't stiffen up. That way you they you you won't have a broken neck. Oh Just God. go with it. <laughs> and then they 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 would fuck with our heads all the time. And Tommy goes, No, uh, yeah, Tommy goes, <laughs> Tommy goes, No, man, Chad's my friend. <gasps> and I said, but you know what if it underscores your ability to adapt to any situation <laughs> you had the presence of mind to say i'm gonna relax i, just, I kid you not i it. said do not stiffen up because if you do you know it, the, the outcome is going to be even worse but then you know what three days later i'm walking down the hall and all of a sudden Bang in the small of my back fist. I go, Argh! and I turn around. And he goes, "Ain't a motherfucking thing you gonna do about it." Oh man! And I was like this. <laughs> but I, what was I gonna do? And whatever happened to that guy? Uh, well, let me see. Now, now Butchie, the one that beat the guy to a pulp, he became a crack addict. Okay. Now here's here's poetic justice in some way. My best friend was Eric Jones. Eric Jones became a crack dealer. Oh. Tommy's coming to the house. I see this. And this is classic shit, man. It's it's sad, but it's crazy. Like, first he saw me, and he and I was all buff now because I came out of the military. And he's like, I ain't fucking with you no more. I was like, man, you know, I'm just not that way. You know, chill on that anyway. You know, I'm not going to kick your ass just because you terrorized my ass for yeah. three or four years. And then the next day, he's coming down the street, and he's got speakers, and he's going to Eric's house and trying to sell speakers to get cracked. Oh, my God. I said, well, dude, I guess karma's a motherfucker, man, you know? I And, yeah, he died, man. Crack oh, had it. man. Yeah. Now, Tommy's, Tommy's still alive and actually ended up dating one of Eric's sisters. And um, Eric, Eric didn't make it. Eric died at 40, you know, because he got into all that stuff. I tried to. Tell him way back then, come in the army with me, but he didn't do it. So that's the crazy deal, bro. 
But that goes back to I was five. You know, I was a little dude in school, but with a big mouth, as you can tell. I mean, you didn't just you didn't just survive that situation. You you completely surpassed. I mean, I was fortunate, man. I I gotta say, uh, you know, no doubt about it. It's a simple equation. Foster parents who cared. Uh, being introduced to theater and uh, an acting teacher who cared and a choir teacher who cared. And people said, there's a world outside this place. Now, not to make it too disparaging, you know, but I was, you know, uh, and so it was whatever I was cursed with for uh, that kind of crabs in a barrel, you know, a lot of angry, mean people, there were also people who were very encouraging, you know. So they they guided me in the right way, and uh, I didn't get pulled into the darker side of the thing. And now, you know, um, I go back home and try to help out as much as I can. My brother's a minister and the head of uh, the school board, and, yeah, I have to give him a tremendous amount of credit. He was always doing great in school. He's the first person that was in the play. You know, he was uh, a straight-A student and and uh, always involved in projects. And so he was an inspiration to me to, to not, you know, go the wrong way. So yeah. I've, been, I've been very fortunate to, you know, the community is uh, as a positive, good people in the community as much as responsible for me being here as my own, you know, drive. And Well, that's why it's important to remember that when you – contribute and do good things for someone the return on that because they that will have a pyramid effect on the people that they encounter Mm -hmm. so that it really it's not you know it's like oh whatever i helped that one guy you're not just helping out one guy you're helping out every person that person's gonna help out absolutely you're paying it forward yeah yeah absolutely well i'm glad i'm i'm glad that it worked out because you're a (laughs) hell of a nice guy and it's been really fun it was really fun to you know get to even in a in a, in a slightly distant way, kind of take the journey with you at, when you join the show mm-hmm. and watching Tyrese and, you know, and, and, you know, he was such an, such a great character because he, he could have murdered everyone with his hands. Exactly. And he really had that internal struggle of like, is this who we are? I exactly. can't, I can't be a part of any more right. of this, of this violence. That's right. And I, and I, and the, because I mean, I always felt the, uh, I always felt it was the beginning of a new world, not the, and, you know, like the right. world's coming to an end, so fuck it, we got to do whatever. Right. It's like, no, I think this is the beginning of a new world. So how are we going to do this? And are we going to learn from what we know? And can we do it better? Can we get it right? So that was always just, you know, what I personally carry with me. Can we relax our bodies so that so when the, the impact comes, <laughs> we don't break our necks? <laughs> I relax, relax your arm, Chad, and let the walker just see. I, I use that technique on, on my final episode. I, well, I miss you, but I'm so I'm so glad to hear about the new show. When is the expanse on? When is that? It's going to be on a Sci-Fi Network, and it's going to happen in. Uh, December. Okay. We were hoping July, but actually I'm glad it's not because December it's cold. People are at home, you know, for those who live in those areas, yeah. you know, then they can snuggle up and, and watch. This show is going to be amazing. Spaceship drama, man. We don't have one. Yeah, the last really good one was probably Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. So this is um where man, we are we're in Mars and you know, I I'm playing I'm playing uh, Fred Lucius Johnson. If I'm not Fred Lucius Johnson, who is? That there isn't. There isn't uh, one. He doesn't it's, exist. It's, without it's you. just that's like you say, like you know, yeah. like your body. Just, I absolutely look like that. So it's a really cool guy who's um, 
he he's sort of like Colin Powell, you know, like Colin Powell was duped by Bush and Cheney. <laughs> Go and tell them there are weapons of mass destruction. So it's something to that effect that yeah. happens to him. And he's end up getting known by the people as the butcher, but by the government as a hero. Right. And so he's he's got some work to do that the government doesn't know about. And it's going to be really, really cool. I think December is a good time because a lot of the other shows take a break in December. Absolutely. And, and if you like television, there's kind of find... a hole in the, in That's the schedule. Right. So that'll, that'll be good fantastic. Point. Great point. Great point. Um, it's good to see you. Thank you, you too. so much for coming on. And, and let me mention one thing like we did before. Yeah, I have to mention Treadwater. Anything you want. Yeah, no. Nah, I just, uh, you know, it's just want people to know that what we're putting together is a transmedia franchise. So we have a graphic novel uh-huh. that's available on Amazon. We have a video game that we're developing, an interactive web series, a motion comic, and we're developing a TV show. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. So it's it's and we're gonna be you know we're gonna be in um in uh, comic book stores all over the country. Mm-hmm. We're working on an initiative right now to really push to get the graphic novel out there in a way that we get that bestseller tag. Yeah, and uh, and we're we're um we're also at all the conventions. You know, we're gonna be at C two E two, and so you Chicago. know I'm a yeah. And so I'm um, I'm part owner and um, co-executive producing the television show. So this is a huge endeavor, man. So uh, please check out Treadwater.tv and um, at TRD. Uh, you know, just take Treadwater. Take the take the vowels out of Treadwater. Right. Yeah. And then you'll get and go at that. <laughs> and Perfect. You find out what's going on with that. So that's, you know, a major deal that. um Really excited about, it. and it's, it's it's an amazing storyline. It's it's fifteen years in the future, and we got um, we got the euro crashes, and so it's kind of like every country for itself. Are you sure that's in the future? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, 15, I feel like that was a couple 15, weeks ago. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> fifteen years ain't far enough out, Jack. So there's this guy who's we secretly hired, and uh, he's sort of like Mandy Patinkin from Homeland. Yeah. And he is charged with putting these this operative together, and so he goes out, and there's all these six different kinds of people, you know, amazing people, and we got a robot wraith in it, and we got, uh, you know, the, all these people from varying different backgrounds, and it's all this elaborate kind of storytelling like Lost did, you know, with flashbacks and things of that nature, and, and cross-references, and people, characters cross-referencing. It's very dark, you know, and very, uh, you know, uh, Batman-ish kind of, you know, and, yeah. and the superhero that's struggling through the darkness. So it's really exciting. It's very sexy, and I'm, I got a really cool, hot character you know, Mr. O.C., he's an arms dealer and drives around on a uh, 747 and is tricked out and, you know, cigar smoking. And what he does, he sells secrets and arms. Who wants it? You got my money? But if you cross them, it's just problematic. And, and the funny part about it, man, I kid you not, I met these guys. They had no idea how Tyrese was going to make his demise, and you know, with the arm getting cut. Yeah. Well, this character is has an arm cut <laughs> off too, and they did not know because I know you wouldn't give anything like that of away. So when they they showed me a rendering of the character, I said, "Oh shit!" So I couldn't say nothing <laughs> then. And then later on, when they saw it, they were like, "This was meant to be." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I think so. You can't make that one up." So. 
So Treadwater.tv. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, congratulations. And, Thank you, and, and I'm very excited that you are also taking control of your career, too, by, by making something that you care about. Yeah, brother. You know, you, I mean, you know, you, you are a resourceful individual. You are out there, you know, taking control of your career as well, you know, and allowing your creativity to work in other ways, not just being a stand-up comedian. You know, you're doing so many other things, man. And I just feel like, you know, I, I mean, these things came my way, too, you know, and it didn't feel foreign. Yeah. No, it felt like yeah, this is cool. This is the right thing to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, a light goes on and you go, wow, I got this wealth of knowledge and experience. I can do these other things. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Would you please um, end the podcast by telling people to enjoy their burrito? It's how we sign off the podcast. But you have a really good voice, so I, I prefer you do it instead of me. Enjoy your burrito. See, it's, I, was, I was right. <laughs> you got to come back every episode. <laughs> also... Fuck you, Michael Strahan. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Wait, uh, please don't hit me. <laughs> I can't back that up. I can't back that up. 510, 145. Can't back that up. I'm going to get an elbow in the back from Michael Strahan. Hey, brother. I got, Ain't I got, nothing you can do I about it. it. You're right. You're just right. You're right. <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. All right. Yeah, brother.
parts of a working team. You're the hearts where freedom rings. You're the eye of the cobra that hovers on high. You're the minds that map the road. The backs that share the load. You are the hands that take hold and make it fly. So good evening, soldier. All over the USA and in foreign lands I'm proud to know you I'm proud to know Just thought I'd show you I'm glad to see the army in your hands And you don't do it cause you have to You're not in it for yourself You don't do it for the glory or the right to brag Like your father did before you In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Rhea Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.